are. Hallelujah. God is good. I said it in the first service, and I'll say it again. We could sing that song for the rest of the week and still not give him enough praise. Amen. He's a good God. Look at somebody next to you and say, God's been good. Come on, say it with some conviction. God is good. <laughs> some of you may need to... Some of you didn't get your coffee or something this morning. What's wrong? Come on now. Maybe you need to put a smile on your face. You know, we've been traveling a lot uh, this summer, more so than I can ever remember in my life. And uh, we, we, God gave us the message, welcome Holy Spirit. And He said, I want you to take it wherever I open the door. I never knew... I never knew it was going to be that many doors open, but uh, a funny story happened. Uh, I left the family in one place, and I jumped in the plane. This is a joke, so don't take it too serious. And, uh, and we were, I was going over to meet with some folks uh, in a little short plane flight, little one of those little planes, and, and the engines went out, and uh, we were crashing. And there was four of us in there, and there was only three parachutes. And, uh, you know, the one guy said, you know, I'm a leading surgeon. My patients need me. I got to go. So he grabbed a parachute and jumped out. And the other guy said, well, I'm a rocket scientist. I'm the smartest man in the world. America and the world needs me. And he grabbed and jumped out. And the third one was this little 10-year-old boy. And, you know, I got a 12-year-old boy. And I'm like, man, my heart just goes out. I've lived 53, you're 10. You go ahead and take the last one and jump. And he said, no, Pastor Tim. He said, we got two parachutes. I said, really? He said, yeah, the smartest man in the world took my backpack. So let's not brag about our own smarts. Let's lean on the smarts of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Again, that was not true. That did not happen. Because <laughs> I told you, I tell you, I would have put the parachute on and grabbed the 10-year-old and held on to him and jumped out. I, I wasn't going to give up that easy. <laughs> I say, hang on, buddy. <laughs> We're going for a ride. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, this is an exciting, exciting time that we are in, uh, more so than you can probably even imagine. What an awesome God we serve, amen. God set up, uh, you know, the, he has a calendar. I know we've got our calendar, and he probably laughs at it, but he, we took from him, he has a calendar, and uh, in this calendar, he has all these feasts and everything we'll be looking at later on, all these feasts and things that he has, and... Uh, but it's almost like, just like we come around every year, Christmas is coming, believe it or not. Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, you know, every year we have Thanksgiving and things like that. And it really kind of takes us back to the root of, you know, what it's, what it's about and so forth. Well, God started all of that. And what we are about to enter into next Sunday uh, evening, as the sun goes down, God counts his calendar days by sundown to sundown. So it starts next Sunday of the night. Sundown will be Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of Trumpets. And we're going to be talking a lot about that today because God wants us to get prepared. Throughout the Old Testament, for 30 days, they'd be blowing the trumpet, blowing the trumpet, uh, reminding everybody, Rosh Hashanah's coming, Feast of Trumpets is coming. Uh, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's time for the next level. Hallelujah. And I, wanna, I want us to, uh, to look at that today because uh, we've got a week. I didn't do it 30 days out, but we have a week. And I want you to be prepared and I want your faith to rise and that you will step into all that God has for you in this, His new year that will be beginning. But before we do that, I want us to look at this prayer that the Holy Spirit gave the Apostle Paul for us that I believe the Holy Spirit is praying for us even this day. This is a prayer for spiritual wisdom, and I want to pray this over you straight from the Scripture, and, uh, because I believe if God gives us this prayer, I believe it's God's heart that He wants to see this prayer met and fulfilled in our life. And it starts in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 17 and following, and He says, I'm praying this, and this is what He's praying. This is what I'm praying over you. I pray you'll receive it right now. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you, I want you to receive it right now, this is for you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that you would, right now, I pray, you would receive the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him, 
that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you might know. And that word in the Greek, gnosis there, for know is to experience. It's not just a head knowledge, but this is something you know by experience. This will become part of your testimony. What am I praying that will become part of your testimony? That you will experience the hope of His calling. That what He has called you to do Going into this new year, you will experience it. That every setback, that everything that is tried to derail you, that everything that is tried to discourage you, and everything that is tried to stop you would be moved out of the way, that you would know the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? Jesus died, the will has been probated, when he died, he then rose again, and so that it wouldn't complicate the probate, he ascended unto heaven so that the inheritance can come to us now and we don't have to wait for it till we get to heaven. That you would begin this, as we even are moving into next week in this new year, even today, that you would experience the inheritance, that you would begin to enjoy your inheritance. That everything that Jesus Christ has provided for you, that it's not going to be put off someday, but you will begin to experience it today, I pray in the name of Jesus that the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, you would know it. And then the third thing, that, which is the exceeding greatness of His power that He has expressed towards us who believe. Is there anybody in here who says, I believe? Pastor Tim, I believe the Word of God. I believe what Jesus has for me. He says that you who believe that you would receive and know by experience the exceeding greatness of His power. That is the megaton dunamis, the power of God measured by what we measure, uh, the nuclear bomb. It is, let me tell you what, but it's exceeding, multiplied, meta, meta. Let me tell you what, the dunamis of God. He wants you to experience it now. He's praying that you would believe and that you would receive it now. Hallelujah the mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. And He seated, you need to be reminded of this, far above, not just equal to, not just a head step above, but He says far above all principality. There ain't a demon even close. There's not a devil even close. Satan is not even close. Jesus is seated far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named. Oh, if you can name it today, poverty. If you can name it today, bankruptcy. If you can name it today, cancer. If you can name it today, heart disease. If you can name it today, divorce. If you can name it every name, let me tell you what, that is named is beneath the Jesus Christ. For His name is above all names, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. Hallelujah. Put it under His name. Cancer. Submit to the name of Jesus. Brokenness, submit to the name of Jesus. Bondage, loss, submit to the name of Jesus. Just give it a name. Because Jesus is far above, far above. The devil would try to make you think that the Lord is out here and they're boxing and the devil knocks him down and then the Lord gets up and then the Lord knocks the devil down and then he gets up and it's an equal battle. No! That is not the Bible. That is not our God. Our God is not trying to just scrap it out with the devil toe-to-toe. Let me tell you what. He's the creator of the universe and He's even the creator of Lucifer Himself and there is no equal match here. It's a one-punch fight and God throwed the punch and the devil got knocked out and you and I need to be reminded of that, of how great our God is. Because He put all things, say all things, all things are under His feet. All things are under His feet. And to Him He gave what? The head to who? The church! The church! If it's going to be manifested on earth, Jesus says, I'm depending on you, church. 
I'm dependent on you, saints. I'm dependent on you, men and women of God. I'm dependent on you. He said, I was here. I showed you the way. Now you walk in it. What you saw me do, you do. And you'll even do greater things than I've done, he said, after I go to my Father and send the Holy Spirit. So he's given it to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. Hallelujah. That's my prayer. As we prepare this week for Rosh Hashanah, this is the new year, God's new year. As we prepare, this is my prayer for you. And I want us, as we look at uh, Rosh Hashanah, this a Feast of Trumpets that is about to approach, there is, a, there is a Rosh Hashanah Feast of Trumpets text in the Bible, many of them. But I want us to look at several verses in Psalms 119. How many of you have ever been read lately in Psalms 119? I'm telling you, it's a good chapter. It's got some good stuff in it. But let me just look at several of the verses here. These are, these are Feast of Trumpets scripture. And this is, this is one of them. And he says, open my eyes, God, that I might see the wondrous things from your law. I, lo I love this translation. It says, open my eyes to see the miracle in your teachings. That's my prayer right now, God, as we move into this Rosh Hashanah season, this new year, that you would open our eyes. God, I pray you would open their eyes. I pray for you right now that God would open your eyes, that you would see the miracles in his teachings. That as you see these miracles, you'll also know them, which means by experience. Hallelujah. So there are these seven feasts that God came up with. There was no Jewish council. There was no... Uh, uh, ecumenical movement that got together and voted. This is what God set up. And if God set it up, you know, some would say, oh, pastor, you just need to come with a little trendy sermon or sermonette or something to give us a little boost here, a boost there. But you know what? We're not here to please ourselves. We're here to please the Lord, right? We are here, I believe, at his discretion and that he, he created us and he knows what he's doing. And in knowing what he's doing, one of the things that he created was the seven feasts that make up his year that he's given us to live life. And these feasts are very prophetic in what they are pointing towards, saying this is what is coming. And then he shows us at, from phase to phase as the year goes on how he's fulfilled. He said he would do it, then he fulfills it. So he honored his word and the fulfillment thereof but yet has left some still open so that they are prophetic, showing us what is yet to come. How exciting it is to be in this calendar of God that he thinks of us so much that he has included us in this. So we have these four spring feasts that you see up here. One, two, three, four. The Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruit, and Feast of Weeks, or, Passover, or Pentecost. These are in the springtime. And we talked about them as we were going through the springtime here. They have been fulfilled, and we'll go into greater detail about that in just a bit. But uh, we thank God for that. But then, as we see where Pentecost brought us into the birth of the church. The church, Acts chapter 2, was born on the day of Pentecost, when God gave us his Holy Spirit, where Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He gave us power. He gave us his spirit so that we were born. So this is the church age that we're in. And now it's kind of neat that as you move from the spring all the way long summer, then you step into the fall. God has these three fall feasts that have not yet been fulfilled. But we, the church, have our place in between those, uh, the spring feast and the fall feast. So that's the exciting thing is this next feast that we're looking at, a feast of trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, uh, is yet to come and it correlates with the rapture of the church. So as we look at that, this first of the fall feast, number five here, number five here is a feast of trumpets or Rosh Hashanah. It means a new year. You can go to that other one now. That new year, uh, so it's the beginning of the new year on God's calendar. So January 1, I know, is on our Gregorian calendar, the new year. But in God's calendar, uh, it is uh, Rosh Hashanah, which will begin sunset on next Sunday, September the 9th. And it goes through sunset of the 11th, Tuesday, uh, for Rosh Hashanah. 
And it is the year 5,779, saying that it's been 5,779 years since God created man, not the earth. We know all this stuff was here before that he said, but then he created man on this earth. And uh, so you think about it that there were, you know, God says to him a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And that God worked six days and rested the seventh. If you took a day to a thousand years, it looks like there's work to be done on this earth for 6,000 years. And then that 7,000 year, that last thousand would be that millennium. But the, these, these feasts tell us that a rapture takes place between that. So we, we are looking for the next thing that we're anticipating on God's calendar in our lives is the rapture of the church or Rosh Hashanah being fulfilled all in all in and through the church on the earth where the dead in Christ shall rise first, the Bible says, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to meet the Lord and forever be with Him. So, and then the other feasts talk about even going to the Feast of Tabernacles where the millennial reign of Christ and then eventually uh, God coming and tabernacling with us and a new heaven, a new earth and all of that that is yet to come. So the exciting thing is as we approach Rosh Hashanah uh, and go from there to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement and then to Sukkot, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, we're right in God's calendar here. So, and God gives us this on the calendar, so it keeps reminding us, uh, because we would forget it, that, that this is the plan of God. We would forget it, and this causes our faith to rise. How exciting it is to know, as, as we are about to step into uh, this uh, Feast of, of, of Trumpets, of Rosh Hashanah, that we are stepping into a new year that God has for us, but yet we're stepping into that which is prophetic in part that has not yet been fulfilled and the anticipation that God's got it together, everything he's done and promised in the past, he's delivered on. What he said he's going to do in the future, he's going to deliver on as well. Amen? <clears throat> now Leviticus 23 tells us that the feasts are for everybody. Somebody say, oh, that's just for the Jews or that's just... But the, God says the feasts are for everybody and I think it's pretty neat that he didn't have six, six feasts or he doesn't have eight feasts, but he has seven feasts. That number of perfection, you know, and it's like God's just laid it out, perfect order for him. And all seven feasts, exactly to the day and to the hour, they point to Jesus Christ. Every one of them points to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So everything that God does has ramifications in heaven, and it has ramifications here on this earth. And that's why he wants us to give attention to the feast uh, as we're waiting for the fulfillment of heaven on earth. Isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. So it all begins with Passover here where Jesus comes in to fulfill. You remember in uh, Egypt when the Israelites were slaves and for 400 years and they cried out for a deliverer and Moses uh, 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 rises up to deliver them and Pharaoh says no, God says let my people go. Pharaoh says no, the plagues come. Well, that 10th plague was to take the blood of a lamb with a hyssop bush and put it on the doorpost and the lintel of your house and God says when the death angel comes, he will see the blood and pass over that house. And, uh, and we know that that was the final plague that the Egyptians gave all their gold and silver and jewels to the Israelites and said, go, go, go. And they left. And that was the first Passover. But it wasn't, it wasn't about a four-legged lamb. It was about a two-legged lamb called the Lamb of God that would come one day and shed his blood. Hallelujah. So that you and I who were born in sin and the wages of our sin being death, we could be washed white as snow, pure, made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And then that next feast that just comes right after Passover, in, uh, right uh, in sync, is unleavened bread. When there the bread could not have leaven in it, which represented sin, so that it could be a true sacrifice. Here is Jesus who was not born of the seed of Adam, which carried with it the sin seed, but was born of a virgin. 
But yet he had to live 33 and a half years to prove that he could be faced with the temptation and the, uh, like every one of us was faced with, but he sinned not. So he became the unleavened bread, hallelujah, so that he could be without sin, a gift that would pay our sinful account so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All of our effort, we roll up our sleeves and we work, work, work. All of our effort is still flawed and has sin in it. But let me tell you what, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, He is the unleavened bread and He will impute His righteousness on and in you so you now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And then we see that He was buried, but on the third day, glory to God, the tomb was empty. Jesus came back from the dead, <clears throat> just like He said. And it's so exciting to see that uh, all of this just correlates with the Old Testament. Uh, it syncs up together in such a perfect way. But then Jesus said, y'all got to tarry, tarry until you get the power. You need the exceeding greatness of this power. You need this megaton power, dunamis. He says, tarry until it because I've got, an, I've got a plan on the calendar. The next feast has got to come. So I need y'all to go to Jerusalem. He had been walking with them 40 days after the resurrection. And Pentecost comes from 50, so there was 10 more days. They had to tarry. But they went to Jerusalem for 10 days. And the Bible says when the feast of, of Passover had fully come, that the Holy Spirit came and filled them in the upper room with that power. And then Peter, who was cowardly, denying the Lord, is now standing up and preaching. And 3,000 are saved. And the church has been growing ever since, even unto this day when we just showed you those three, those hundred kids or however many that gave their life to Christ in this uh, campaign that we were just a part of. Praise the Lord. The church continues to grow. The church continues to grow because of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. So as they waited for that feast, let me tell you what, now we are in this church age and now we're waiting on this feast next Sunday. As if we were in the Old Testament, they would have been blowing the trumpet all 30 days leading up to this. And they would be saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. Because uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah, as it correlates with the rapture, we the church tell people the same thing. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because in the twinkling of an eye, let me tell you, before your eye can bat, there's going to come a call from heaven, a sound of a shofar, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured to be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That is next on the calendar. I mean, it's, it's like a week away. It's a week away. How exciting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Hebrew, Rosh Hashanah means the opening of the gates. The opening of the gates. Some would say, uh, and they literally teach this uh, in their community, that this is the season where the gates of heaven are opened unto us. Now, we know in Christ that God has already rent in twain that, that veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies. And there is now no closed season unto us. We live in a perpetual Rosh Hashanah. You might would say open gates. Hallelujah. But there are many whose faith will be stirred to believe God for the open gates due to this because we're reminded because of this feast. We're reminded of what Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. So it's the opening of the gates. And, 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 and if we judge ourselves, it is taught, uh, leading up to Rosh Hashanah, uh, then we put ourselves, examining ourselves uh, to be able to receive everything from the open gate. So, so you ask yourself questions like, am I loving God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, and with all of my mind? Am I loving God uh, that way? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Am I honoring God with my words? Am I honoring God with my deeds? Am I honoring God with my life? Am I honoring God with my first fruits? Am I honoring God with the tithe and the offerings? Or am, am I obeying the Holy Spirit? And am I giving in and doing what He prompts me to do? And am I being kind? These are things you would examine yourself. Am I being forgiving? Am I being gracious? Am I being loving? These are the questions you do in examine yourself. 
And, and, and it is taught that if you will, for the next year, God opens his gates so that his kingdom will come and his will will be done in your life as it is in heaven. And that's why we're the glorious church without spot or wrinkle because of the open gates of heaven. Hallelujah. We can't do what God's called us to do in our own strength and our own might, but the gates of heaven have been opened to us and we can pull in heaven on earth. That's why we're a glorious church. Hallelujah. Not Christian embassy by itself. We're a part of the glorious church that God is building all across the world. Praise God. So what an exciting time to be reminded of who we are, whose we are, and what God has called us to do. I want to give you another Rosh Hashanah text of Scripture, which is very powerful. Anybody read in Psalms 118? There's another great chapter in the Bible. I'll tell you what, every chapter in the Bible to me is just amazing. And, uh, but here's one, and we're going to look at several verses of Scripture. This is a Rosh Hashanah text, and if you were in a traditional uh, a Jewish setting, you would find these texts to be used uh, leading up to Rosh Hashanah, and especially next uh, Sunday at sundown, these would be some of the texts that they would be using. And I can't help but get goosebumps when I read verse 16. Because if you know my testimony, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. Oh, it just makes me look back to a 17-year-old boy that was all messed up and was headed on his way to hell. But a right hand of God reached into my troubled circumstance. The right hand of God reached into my pain. The right hand of God reached into that low place that I was at and saved my life. And I say that with celebration because I know each and every one of us had our low place. Each and every one of us had our pit that we were in. And it was the same right hand of God that reached in and lifted you up. The same right hand of God that has saved you unto this day. For the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what Rosh Hashanah saying as I enter into this new year. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. And I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. Not because of might. Not because of power. But because of His Spirit that is working through His right hand in my life. Hallelujah. I want you to go ahead and say right now, this new year I enter into it. I'm not going to go into it broke. I'm not going to go in it backwards. I'm not going to go under. I'm not going to go into it sick. I'm not going to go in it. And my, I'm telling you, go ahead and just declare, my marriage is going to prosper. Everything I put my hands to is going to prosper. I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. See, that's a Rosh Hashanah scripture saying every new year when I go into it, which gives you another year. You don't have to worry for the next year. You're not going to die. You've already declared it. You've already brought heaven to earth. You already made it a, 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 a righteous standard through the Word of God. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. And I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. And you've got to take it not someday. You've got to start taking on this today. Come on now. Somebody say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Happy Rosh Hashanah. Happy New Year. That's what we'll be declaring. Hallelujah. In a week. <clears throat> I will not live. I will not die. I will live. I will live. How are you going to live? Let me ask you. How are you going to measure that quality of life? I don't know how you're going to measure yours, but I'm going to measure it by the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus said, there's a devil, and he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. But he says, I've come, and I've got purpose and my reason, for excuse me, my reason for coming is to give you what? Life! So you can live! But how are you going to live? Abundant life! Hallelujah! Abundant life! Heaven on earth life! Hallelujah! I pray today you will get your faith up and you'll take hold of that and you said, I'm, I'm ready. Let's cross over into 5,779 and I'm going to live and I'm not going to die. I'm going to live an abundant life this year. I'm going to live a life to the glory of God this year and I'm going to declare His promises. Praise God. And then look at verse 18. He says, the Lord has chastened me severely. Now what does that mean? Well, before Christ, leading up to Rosh Hashanah, the priests for 30 days have been blowing the shofar, blowing that trumpet, that ram's horn has been sounding out 
warning them that this Rosh Hashanah is coming, warning them this new year is coming, warning them the gates of heaven are going to be open. And, and, and through warning them, God is speaking to them, saying, have you been gossiping? Have you been backbiting? Have you been acting in hypocrisy? Have you been robbing God? Have you been failing to forgive others? For 30 days, the Lord has chastened me severely, even to the place that saying, I love you, and because I love you, I chasten those who I love. I chastise those who I love, and He's trying to get you on the right road because before Christ, if you get to Deuteronomy 28, if you broke the law... It says, if you do not obey, if you fall short of, of fulfilling the law, boils will come in and devour your skin. Cancer will come in and destroy you. It says that disease would come in. Poverty would come in. It's like the, the gate of hell was open unto you if you broke the law. So, so there was chasing there uh, right up to a point of near death, but he wouldn't let you die. you got to get it right. 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 God's saying, if you haven't forgiven others, your next year is not going to be good. If you haven't honored me with your tithes and the offering, your next year is not going to be good. If you're stirring up dissension among the brethren, your next year is not going to be good. You know, we're approaching this new year. Let's turn to God and get it right. Get it right. Get it right. The Lord has chastened me severely, but He has not given me over to death. Why? Because God doesn't give up on you. God doesn't give up on you. He keeps blowing the trumpet day after day after day saying the new year's coming. Get it right. Get it right. Forgive those. Get it right. Go ahead and honor God with your tithe and offering. Get it right. Get it right. Go, go ahead and, and, and apologize and repent for the gossiping you've been doing. Go ahead. He's, he's on and on. He's trying to get that to us. But I'm here to tell you today we've got a better covenant built on better promises. Hallelujah. And the promises that we have are yes and amen in who? In Christ Jesus. So I'm still praying for you right now as we move into this here. I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you might know, you might experience what is the hope of His calling and of the riches of the glory of the inheritance that He has for you and the exceeding greatness of His power towards you who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only of this age but of that which is to come. And He put all things under His feet and He gave to be Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Hallelujah. Who did He give it to? He gave it to the church. Who did He do? He gave it to the church. So what He was saying is our chastening came on Jesus. We no longer have to get the Deuteronomy 28 curses when we mess up, when we make a mistake. Why? Because our curse came off of us and went on to Him. Do you see that? Get into Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14 and you'll see it right there. Christ has redeemed us from what? The curse of the law. The curse... So God doesn't have to make you sick anymore in order to punish you because that sickness came on to Jesus. That curse came on to Jesus. Jesus, God doesn't have to come to you and kill your child anymore to get you to serve Him. That death came on Jesus. The curse, the curse. For cursed is He who hangs on a tree. See, Jesus was born without sin. Jesus had sinless blood that would pay for our sinful account and that would get us to heaven. But Jesus wanted to get heaven to us. He said, I want you to live blessed now. I want you to have an abundant life now. So in order for me not only to pay your sin debt and get you to heaven, I want you to live some life down here showing the world what heaven looks like so the world would want to go to heaven too. So now i got to get the curse off of you. I've got your sin debt paid with my blood, but i got to get the curse off of you. And the only way he could do it is, is he couldn't sin to get the curse on him. So he had to get the curse on him some way. And God has a legal mind. And he had put in Deuteronomy some legal uh, eaves there that said,
says that there's a curse. I mean, this thing just like, where did this come from? It came from God. There's a curse comes on anyone who hangs on a tree. So when Jesus is walking and teaching his first sermon, his second sermon, they're trying to stone him to death. The angels of heaven are laughing. They're like, you think you're going to take his life? No one's going to take his life. God's got a plan. You're not going to kill him with a stone. And then they got him at the edge of the cliff and they tried to push him off and he like disappeared. And they're like, where did he go? Where did he go? And then you know, angels are laughing. You thought you was going to push him off and he was going to crash his head on the rocks below and die? No, no, no. God has got a plan. God has got a plan. Even when he was a little baby there, if you'll remember, and Herod said, go and kill all the boys from three years and younger. I'm going to make sure I'm going to kill him. And the angel of the Lord came and says, you better get him over into Egypt because they ain't going to kill this little boy not with a sword. They're not going to decapitate this little boy. He's, God's got a plan. Let me tell you what, they tried to beat him to death on that whipping post. They tried to beat him to death when they blindfolded him and said, prophesy and tell me who hit you. They kicked him. They beat him. Isaiah said he was beyond recognition. He did not even look like a man. They were trying to kill him. They were trying trying to kill him. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to die on this whipping post. I'm not going to die at the boot or the fist of this soldier. I'm going to go to that cross. And let me tell you what, when he was carrying that timber up the hill and his body was near unto death and going into shock uh, and he couldn't carry it anymore, an angel of the Lord moved upon a man that says, you get there and you carry the cross for him. That There's a purpose in that tree. There's a purpose in that tree. Get it to its place so he can be hung on it. And when Jesus was nailed up on that tree, uh, that's when he said, now it is finished. Because he's trying to get, he, had, he knew that was the only way without him sinning to legally get the curse off of us. He was trying to get the sickness off of you. He was trying to get the chastening off of you. He was trying to get the poverty off of you. He was trying to get the brokenness off of you. He was trying to say, I want you to live with some heaven on earth. I want you to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's get some heaven on earth. I want you to be the glorious church. I want you to be strong. I want you to be light in darkness. I want you to be salt. I want you to be powerful. I want you to be blessed. I want everything you put your hand to to be blessed. I want you to go forward in power and might. Hallelujah. He became a curse for us. For cursed is he who hangs on the tree that the, the curse would come off of us. But then he wanted the blessing of Abraham to come on us. Even the Gentiles. Hallelujah that we might receive the promise of His Spirit, the power of God by faith to live this life. Hallelujah. Man, this is awesome. If you're not into it, I'm sorry. I'm telling you, this is awesome. This is exciting. And he goes on in verse 19 of that, uh, uh, that, that Rosh Hashanah text of Psalms, and he says, Now open to me the gates. I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord, the chastening that came unto near to death. God now has taken that on to him. But now open the gates of righteousness and I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I pray somebody today would see the reality of what Christ has already done for us, that Jesus is the door, that Jesus is the gate, and the gate is always open to us uh, and we would begin to walk in faith uh, and we begin to praise in faith. I'm telling you, when you praise in faith, you don't feel, you don't have to feel it. Some people say, well, I don't feel anything. That's why I'm not doing anything. You missed the whole point. You missed the whole point. You got more, you got jacuzzi religion. When you're in a jacuzzi, you feel like you're saved. You need to get some faith religion. Hallelujah. It says, my God has made a way. I may not feel like it right now, but I know the way is already laid out for me. The way, the truth, and the righteousness. And I'm going to praise my God in the midst of it. And I'm going to go forward giving Him the glory. Hallelujah. And the reason in verse 19 is followed with this praise is because prophetically it was pointing to Jesus who was going to come and take our chastening, take that curse off of us so that we could walk through the gate. Hallelujah. We are set in proper position, the righteousness of God. Now, does our righteousness depend on us? No. When it was all through the Old Testament, we failed, we failed, we failed. All, Paul came up with the Holy Spirit telling him, says, all have fallen short. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. 
and the wages of sin is death. So we know in our own effort we can't, but we know in Christ. He imputes his righteousness on us, in us, through us, and we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We are made right by God. So you say, well, I just don't feel like I've been good enough. You're right. You ain't. You stink. And right now your attitude stinks. But let me tell you what, greater is he is who is in you than he who is in the world. And he says, I'm not depending on your greatness. You've got to depend on my greatness. I'm not depending on how good you are. You depend on how good I am. I'm not looking at your strength. I can take you in your weakness and I can make you strong. I can renew you like an eagle. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So I will not die, but I will live. We're going in this new year. You need to go ahead and get it made up your mind. I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live an abundant life. Go ahead and New Testamentize it. I don't know, Dr. DeLong, can I say that? Yeah, new Testamentize it, okay. We're, I'm, I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live an abundant life because that's what Jesus came to give me. Amen. Hallelujah. Open to me the gates. Open to me the gates. Open to me the gates. I'm praying, Father God, this year, that you would open up to me your acts of kindness, your acts of power, open up unto me your healing power. Just go ahead and pray. God, open up unto me your acts of provision. Go ahead and open up to me your acts of love. Go ahead and open up to me your... Lord, just open up to me prosperity, debt cancellation. Lord, this is the year. This is the year. Hallelujah. Open up to me and my family a new blessing, a new joy, and a whole new level. Glory to God. Praise His name. Just ask ask him it's an open heaven it's an open heaven that's what the psalmist was saying as as they were upcoming to coming up to Rosh Hashanah open up the gates of righteousness and I'll walk through them Lord I'm gonna walk through them praise his holy name glory to God and just remember this new year is open to us only because of Jesus Christ and if the rapture doesn't take place We've got another year to live. But let me tell you what. I love God. Just when everybody in our mind, some of us analytical thinkers would say, ah, oh, so rapture, Rosh Hashanah, so the rapture has to take place on Rosh Hashanah. If it doesn't, we've got another whole year. God let us scramble and mix up a few years and a few days to where we're not 100% sure we're right on the exact day. He left it just to the place that we can do as the Apostle Paul says, that we should expect the return of the Lord at any time. At any time. Even before the end of this service, at any time. Live as though we've got a whole nother year, but be prepared as though God may call us home at any moment. I love God. He's going to keep us on his toes. He, on our toes. He knows us. He knows us. He knows that if we had it all figured out to the day, we'd put that on the calendar and say, I'm going to do what I want. God, leave me alone. God, get off my back. And then they get close to that date. And then we go, oh, Lord, you know, I love you. You're so good. You're so good. And we get up on the front with our flags and our banners. And we really show out, you know, because, oh, today's getting really close. Well, you know, you know no, nah, he's not going to do that. He knows us too well. He wants us on the altar with the flags and the banners, and he wants us with our hands lifted up and the shout and the dance. He wants all that all the time. And he deserves it all the time. Hallelujah. So as we prepare for this week, Rosh Hashanah, just keep in mind, and the Lord gave me this picture last year, that Rosh Hashanah sets the thermostat for the rest of the year. So that's why he gives us all these days of the, of the shofar blowing to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready so that you walk through the gate into the new year setting the thermostat for that year. I want you, you may have disappointments, we all do. You may have some things that you still don't have answers to your questions, we all do. But I want you to let your faith override those disappointments and let your faith override those unanswered questions. And, and just look at the, the whole of things. Has God been good to you? Has God been faithful? Has God fulfilled what He said He would do? Has God, is God a man that He should lie? No, He's not going to lie. He tells it the way it is and He backs it up. 
So let our faith arise as we go into this new year and say, this is my year of miracles. This is my year. Rapture means taken to the next level. So this Rosh Hashanah is to take you to the next level. Pastor Radika, if she don't stop, I'm going to get a hold of her. She's now even posting on the church website or Facebook uh, my sermon. She's got a camera in my office. She's listening to me in my prayer closet. She's talking about this is a new season and a new level. And, and I'm like, she's not only doing it from the pulpit now before I get up to preach, she's doing it on Facebook. Or is it the Holy Spirit trying to tell us all the same message? It's a new season. It's a new day. It's a new life that God has for us. Let our faith arise and set the thermostat. I don't know about you, but you don't complain about the atmosphere if you have control over the thermostat. Come on now. Don't you walk around. It's 82 degrees in here. It's 82 degrees in here. And I go and look at your thermostat and it's set on 82. I'm going to say, do you not understand? Turn it down. I like mine down to 69. Ooh, amen. Hey, can I got somebody I feel it with me? I got married. I learned marriage is about compromise. And it went from 69 to 70. To 71. I'm talking about summertime. 72. 73. And I've had to tolerate some 74s. Oh, something we need marriage counseling. Need some marriage counseling. When you get up to 74, we need marriage counseling. I'm going to get one of those electronic ones that I can control with my phone and lock it. Oh, glory. Woo, glory. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Rosh Hashanah sets the thermostat for the rest of the year. What are you setting your thermostat at? What are you setting it at? Would you like to see any changes going into this new year? Would you like to see the next level that God, he's already prayed, he's praying. He is, he's causing uh, intercessors to pray. He is the Holy Ghost to pray that you would see it, that you would know it, you would experience it. He wants you to, the megaton of his exceeding greatness, of his dunamis power, he wants you to see it. So it's not God holding you back, he wants you to see it. He's saying, will you have faith to be able to walk into this new year and take hold of it? And said, I believe it. I receive it. It is done in Christ Jesus. And you will find that you will start living at a whole new level. And you're like, wow, this is the real deal. It's the real deal. So we got a week to prepare for that. But God also, going all the way back to Passover, gave us another thing at a Passover feast that we could be reminded of these whole, this whole plan of God over and over, without limitation. Jesus says, as often as you do it, you take the bread and you take the fruit of the vine or the blood of the grape. He says, you can be brought back into remembrance of what this is, what, this plan, this what I've come to do. Hallelujah. Recently, I was talking to uh, a fellow Christian. He's not in this church. And, and he, he was telling me, he says, uh, are you guys uh, kind of like charismatic? Uh, I said, I said, our whole message this year is welcome, Holy Ghost. Welcome, Holy Spirit. I said, we're charismatic Pentecostal. Let God have his way. Bless his holy name. Get people healed, delivered, run the devil out, stomp on demons' heads. I said, that's, that's who we are. He says, y'all believe in that healing stuff? I said, yeah, we got a healing school. We got healing rooms. We pray for, we, we see blind eyes open. We see people heal. We see folks that had a heart attack and a stroke walk off of the stage only a month later without any support. And the, and the doctor says, this is amazing. This is amazing. This morning, first service, I said, walked off and I thought with a little support, learned after the service, there's not even a brace there anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> but Mark, praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I was in the uh, surgical room. They hadn't even taken him out of surgery yet. And they're, they're gone in with the catheter in his uh, heart with the heart attack and put some stents in there. And, and I'm sitting there. It's Bianca was there too. And they're picking up the, the little wires that they'd run up in his veins off of the floor and on. And it's like, man, that was the real deal. And then a stroke right behind that. And they're like, your left side, you done with. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a God. There's a God on the throne. Hallelujah. So I tell this gentleman, yeah, we believe in healing. 
He said, well, your, church, your kind of church, I don't like the way they handle the bread and the, and the, and the blood and the body of Christ. I said, uh, well, we're the body of Christ. What do you mean? He said, you know, the bread, when you pray, it, it turns into the body and the, the juice turns into the wine, turns into the blood. of." I said, transubstantiation? I said, dude, you real? You're going to re-crucify Jesus every time? I thought what he did 2,000 years ago was well enough. I'm like, there's no, there's no, I mean, we're not bringing back the body and the blood of Jesus and holding it in our hands. We've got access to the body and the blood of Jesus 24-7. He gave it to us by his Holy Spirit. And he says, yeah, how people just reach in and touch it, you know. I'm like, the veil has been rent in twain, dude. He wants you to boldly approach him now. Come on now. And, uh, and I said, well, he said, well, you know, there's a scripture that says, you, you handle it in an unworthy manner. And you, you die, you get weak, and all this stuff. And I said, okay. I said, well, would you consider a different thought? He says, what's that? I said, would you consider that scripture that Paul is writing there in Corinthians? He, and he is saying this. If you don't know the power of the blood, and you don't know what that body of Jesus did to take the curse off of you. The devil will keep the curse on you and keep every spirit of infirmity in your body and tell you you deserve it and make you weak and cause you to die early because you're not seeing the worth. It's worth. You're not seeing his worth. I said, take it this point. And I gave him Galatians 3, 13 and 14, what Jesus did for us. Say, see that his blood has redeemed you. Amen. Past tense, it's done. His blood has redeemed you. His blood has paid every account that you had. You were bankrupt. You were going to bankrupt court. They were going to throw you in the debtor's prison. But Jesus stepped in and said, paid in full and paid for it. Now, if you believe that and, and put the worth in what he has done so that you will have faith to believe, I'm now free. I'm not living under that condemnation anymore. I am believing that I am a child of God. I am believing I am called by God. I am believing I'm the body of Christ full of his spirit to bring forth the manifest of heaven on earth. Do, if you would do that and that you would see his body took the curse off of us so that the blessing could come on us. If you put value in those two things, do you think you're going to get weak and die early or do you think you're going to live an abundant life? Wow. So we're about to take the bread and the fruit of the vine or the blood of the grape, as the scripture would call it, and I'm here to tell you, it doesn't need to turn into his flesh body and it doesn't need to turn into his blood because that's a done deal. But Jesus says, as often as you do this, you'll do it in remembrance of what my blood and my body has done for you. And if you'll put faith in that, I'm telling you, you can go into this new year at a whole new level. And you don't have to wait till next Sunday at sundown. But because of Jesus, he is our shofar. He is our trumpets. He is the fulfillment of the feast. You can have it right now, today.